On today's episode of Timeout 214, I'm joined by DFW Sports Beat show host Brady Tinker, where we talk about the Mavs' upcoming return to Orlando, predictions on the Cowboys' season, and Joey Gallo's situation with the Rangers. My name is Colby Green, and without further ado, let's get started. How's it going today? I'm joined by um, host of the television show DSW Sports Beat, ESPN radio show, Off with the Helmet, and podcast A Cowboy's Life. I am happy to welcome Brady Tinker to this episode of Timeout 214. How's it going today, Brady? Hey, Colby, it's going great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, on the podcast, I want to make sure they go to the right side. It's actually a cowboy life. Um, instead of it being plural, since we're doing one cowboy at a time and telling one story at a time, we chose to make it a cowboy life. So uh, websites and podcast sites, uh, that's what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, nonetheless, I'm happy to have you on today. And I uh, got some topics uh, about the Mavericks and the Cowboys. Sure. Um, so starting it off, uh, Courtney Lee, Dwight Powell, Jalen Brunson are all injured, and Willie Cauley-Stein chose to opt out on returning. Uh, what sort of impact do you think that will have on the Mavericks' return to Orlando? Well, it makes a, a big difference, bigger than people might think. Uh, obviously, Dwight Powell was reaching you know, the, his apex uh, as a player, um, and he's young enough. I expect him to fully bounce back next year, but as for now, one thing we all know about Rick Carlisle is that he likes to use all of his pieces. And what he said to us from day one in training camp and all the way through, you know, our, our stop uh, at the pandemic uh, in March was, I need everyone on this team. And sometimes that's lip service from a coach, but it's not from Rick. If you remember back to the 2011 championship series, he used uh-huh. essentially everybody on his team. And he he loves to do it because he sees matchups. Uh, and Courtney Lee for him was a matchup guy. Courtney Lee would go three or four games without playing and then all of a sudden be in the starting lineup because he either had history or just an inclination that Courtney Lee could get them off to a good start by guarding someone's, you know, best shooting guard. And so that's the kind of guy that Rick is. And so the loss of those players is is not massive, but it is important in that it's part of Rick's ability, uh, especially in a short series, to come up with plans and matchups and mix it up. There was a time in the middle of this season when he looked at us and said, uh, and I can't remember what particular game it was, but he said, you know, we lost this game because we're still learning how to be able to play different ways. And then he went on to explain to us that in the 2011 season, you know, at any point in any game, they could completely flip a switch and play a different way. They could they could stop the ball and go into their set offense. They could put Kid in the post. They could put Marion in the post. They could do all kinds of different things rather than just running what the other team always expected. And so that was what they were getting better and better at as this year went on, and that's why the depth of this roster is such a key. So it definitely makes a difference, and, you know, they're going to play most likely the Clippers, uh, who are savvy veterans and, and have, you know, seven guys on their team you know, out of their 12 that, that are really ready for this. And and that's going to be the negative for the Mavericks is there's not that many guys on this roster who are ready for this. Uh, that having been said, this is a top three offense. And in a short series, this team can be extraordinarily scary. Let's see what kind of shape they come back in. Let's see how much work they've been putting in. 
Of course, and uh, the signing of Trey Burke to help kind of fill a role in that guard spot. Uh, hopefully we'll see him get some playing time and see what he can do under Colorado. Yeah, and no doubt. That, and that gives Rick somebody else. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, they know Trey Burke. They acquired him uh, in the Nick deal um, with Kristaps, and he was not on the team in the last two or three months. But he knows the system. He knows Rick. He's just a different type of player. He's more of a key offensive player, to be honest with you, a guy who can come in and uh, score some points and mix it up a little bit. But you still lose that defensive shutdown guy that Courtney Lee offered you. Of course. And while they're not going to be playing, um, I like how they're traveling with the team to Orlando and Lee can help bring some leadership in with his veteran experience and help the team be, I guess, more mentally tough, which I think will be a big factor going to Orlando with no fans. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, I have a feeling they haven't let us be around the team yet. That's just not the way it works right now in COVID. But I have a feeling that Rick's done a lot of conversing, whether it be however, however whatever method he's been using prior to them being able to get together on the fact that this is a short series and that there's a bunch of guys here that fill different roles who are tough guys. Tim Hardaway's playing or was playing better than he'd ever played in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is getting better. I mean, besides the obvious two guys, there are other guys on this team that are stepping up and playing better than they've ever played. Maxi Kleba, who, who knew that he was going to be this good a player? You know, a phenomenal defender. Kristaps was really finally getting comfortable with Luka and with the offense, and you could see – his offense starting to flow out of him a little bit. And when that happens for him, then he becomes a better off-the-ball defender, I think, because he gets more interested in the defensive side. So this is a scary team. Uh, if if you had top NBA teams look down the roster of the teams that are going to make the playoffs in the West and say, who do you not want to play? They're going to be pointing at the Mavericks pretty quickly. Pretty oh, quickly. Sure. It's a scary team. Yep. Very scary team. And um, on the topic of COVID-19, with uh, it still being such a problem in teams like Milwaukee and Sacramento just now shutting down their facilities and other teams doing it uh, earlier this week, do you think these players and staff can still finish this season safely in Orlando if they adapt to that bubble strategy? I, I hope so. I think it's a pretty good strategy. I, I say that the, you know, the outlier is can you keep these young guys away from the people that they like to hang out with and from the places that they like to go? Um, mm-hmm. So I know that in particular on this team, you know, Rick will be reminding everybody, and there's there's enough veterans. J.J.'s been around. You know, he won. He knows what it looks like. Um, so, you know, the big push for these guys will be, you know, this, is, if, this could be up to two and a half or three months if we happen to go all the way to the NBA Finals. Get yourself emotionally and mentally prepared for it. That having been said, as a 55-year-old man who's been covering sports forever and who's used to players from all leagues, I think it's going to be virtually impossible for any of these seasons to finish. I just, I think you're going to have, especially, you know, in in the NBA where you've got what a 12 or 15-man roster. However, they're going to do it when when you lose Luca and when you know, the top players in the league begin to go down uh, during this two-and-a-half-month period. What are you going to do, you know? And there's there's still a danger factor. We don't really know about this. We really don't. All of us are, you know, hopeful and feel like maybe that it's getting better, but now all of a sudden there are numbers that say it's not. So 
I, I just can't imagine that sports that are this close in contact, especially football, um, unless something changes a lot in the next two or three months before the football season, I, I, I find it hard to believe that any of these seasons are going to finish. I think they'll all start, but it'll be surprising to me if they finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the Mavs traveling to Orlando, and like you said, them being such a scary team from their ability to heat up from the three, their reliable uh, field goal percentage of a 46.2, how far do you realistically think the Mavs can go these playoffs and this return to Orlando without the fans being by their side? Oh, I, I, you know, I mean, if you beat the Clippers, how many more, how many teams in the West are better than the Clippers? Um, the Lakers, I imagine. Maybe, yeah, maybe um, one. Yeah. So if you beat the Clippers, I mean, remember, I always go back to 2011 because it's one of my great sports memories of my life and I was uh, lucky to be close to it. Once they began to get some, gain some momentum, because, because really they didn't have a lot of momentum going in. They lost, they blew a big lead in whatever, game two to Portland. And we all sort of had that feeling of, uh oh, this is another one of those Mavs teams that just, you know, can't push past, past the big hump. But when they began to beat good teams, you remember they beat the Lakers and they swept them, you know, and totally they beat nice. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, so w- once you begin to gain some confidence, uh, given health, given that nobody else that's a real key goes down, uh, you know, I don't, I just don't think that they're veteran enough nor big enough, nor able to play lockdown defense enough to win an NBA championship. But it would not shock me if they won a first-round series. And then let's just see who they they draw in round two. Of course, yeah. Just really depending on how we end up, we're 2.5 games behind uh, Utah and Denver in a game and a half behind, behind the Thunder and Rockets. And I definitely think that we have that dark horse uh, ability. It's just trying to get over that hump, and I think we are missing a few key roles that we had in that 2011 run that we might not be able to completely make it to the finals, but I think we can definitely get some playoff experience for our guys and push for hopefully a contention later. If there's any reason really for Mavs fans to really, really want this to happen, this this playoff series and for this thing to go as far as it can go for the Mavericks, it is experience. Uh, the, the 2011 team was old, and there were a bunch of guys on that team that had had a ton of playoff experience, including NBA Finals experience, and they were all willing to completely set aside you know, personal needs and play their role. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think that this team is anything like that. I think this team does have the diversity or some of the diversity that, that team had. But other than that, this team is young, and this team doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. So there's a lot of things working against it. And as J.J. Barea told me when we were doing radio shows before this happened, I want these guys to get in because the playoffs are fun, but also because they need to feel the difference in what playoff basketball is versus regular season basketball. So that's why we should all want this, because this is a step that has to be taken if you're going to be a good playoff team. they got to get in. They got to play and they got to feel this. They got to feel the physicality of it. They got to see whistles get swallowed. You know, Luke has got to continue to, you know, take the beating that he's going to take uh, and be able to get tougher and tougher. So I understand he's in terrific shape. Uh huh. And um, while this draft is upcoming 2020 draft, whenever it will be, it might not be the strongest draft we've had. And we're projected between the 18th and 31st pick, I believe. 
Yeah. What roles do you think that the Mavericks should look into to kind of bring us over that kind of hump and make us a little more of a contender? I think it, a little bit will depend on what they do here in the playoffs. Even if they lose in the first round series, if they're competitive, um, if if they come out of this with Rick and company thinking that you know that they're a player, a veteran player or two away from making a deep run next year, then I don't think that this draft is going to mean that much to them. Uh, picking between 18 and you know 30 or whatever they're going to pick, um, I, I just don't. Plus, the other thing is is that this team in the last 12 years has shown a bit of a disdain for the draft. Now, obviously, Luca and Brunson uh, are outliers for that, but there's not a whole lot of guys on this team that the Mavericks chose in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they they tend to sort of push this draft aside in terms of what they're looking for. They need more size. And they need more veteran leadership. Um, Collie Stein, while a different cat, uh, was someone that could help, you know, for 8, 10, 12 minutes a game with his size and athleticism. He's a good fit for this league. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and they could have used him. So they need a little bit more size. They need a little bit more athleticism. And they need, you know, another defender. They really do. And it'll be interesting to see how healthy Dwight Powell is when he comes back because he's one of their better defenders. But they have to get to be a better defensive team. They have to be able to get into the top 10 or 12 defensive teams in the NBA in the next couple of years to, to make the deep runs that people want to see them make. Yeah, I think they really are looking to uh, add a versatile perimeter to help Benny Smith and Dwight Powell whenever they come back just so Carlisle can have a little more looks to throw at teams that have such good wing players like the Clippers and Lakers and such. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's the league is so different than it was even four or five years ago that the ability to score off the dribble, uh, score in an isolation situation is at a premium. And and the truth is, it I don't know, maybe in the old days it was you could never have enough, you know, fours, right, who could play defense and rebound and who were six foot ten. Just not that way anymore. Now you can just never have enough shooters and scorers on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so right there's pretty much it that I have for, uh, the Mavericks. Is there anything else that you really wanted to add to that? Or do you want to kind of switch over to the Cowboys? No, I'm, I'm ready to switch to the Cowboys. I'm really hoping that this thing, I, I, I'm not trying to throw a damper on it. I'm, I'm worried about COVID and I'm worried about the ability of, of everybody to stay healthy, but I would love to see the Mavericks get through at least a series, uh, because the experience factor is something that they will really need. And, and, you know, eventually we're going to have a, a vaccine for this and we'll get back to a somewhat normal world. So this is an important time for them. I'm really glad the NBA is trying. Uh, and I really hope the Mavericks uh, get to play a full series with all of their guys. Of course. Um, so switching over to Cowboys after this year's draft and our additions to our coaching staff and the head coach and defensive coordinator, how do you think the Cowboys will do in this 2020 season? Well, um, probably pretty well, to be honest with you. I think um, there's a lot of good players on this team. I like the draft that they had and the history of this team. And unfortunately in the last, you know, 18 to 20 years is sort of one good year, one bad year, one year where they get a little bit embarrassed or where things go wrong, they always bounce back. So with a new uh, head coach uh, who seems to be refreshed and who is offensive minded, and who is a head coach that these guys will listen to, at least for a while, because he, he won a championship. 
and he's the you know he's the guy that brings in a creative offense. They've they've been very tired of Jason Garrett's offense for quite some time. And Tony Romo worked around it because he had a great relationship with Garrett and he basically had carte blanche to be able to audible out of any play at any time. It's not been Dak's strength uh, to audible completely out of one play into another. Um, It's one of his weaknesses, in my opinion. One of his few weaknesses is that he's not great at reading defenses. He's not sort of a savant, at least to this point, uh, in getting his team in and out of good play. Save you know, we were going to run right, but they're stacked on the right. Now we're switching and we're running left. He's, he's got all that stuff down. But I'm talking about his ability to come to the line of scrimmage and, you know, and detect the look of a, of a zone that's going to turn into man and, and know that he has something, right? Or, or that he sees single coverage on maybe C.D. Lamb turns out right from the beginning to be, you know, somewhat unguardable because he's terrific at running routes, whatever it is, right? Um, those are the things that Dak has to get better at. But this team overall – this team will bounce back. This, this is, this is just something that this team does. Um, I, I, the deck situation is confusing and confounding to me. And I think actually is, is changing, but he's going to play this year under the franchise tag. Uh, and he is going to have a good season because he really needs to. Um, and because he's a really smart kid that this team really looks up to and likes. So I, I won't be surprised if this team wins 11 games. I definitely think that is a very probable prediction. Just hopefully McCarthy can really pull them together. Um, And kind of continuing on that Dak signing the franchise tag, um, what do you really think it means for him this season? Does he need to have an MVP caliber season? Does he need to take the Cowboys to the NFC championship? What does he have to prove to get that long-term deal that he wants? You know, I think what I mentioned, I think there's a sense that while he checks nearly every box, it's still not a strength of his. And, and you know, maybe McCarthy gets him over the hump here. Maybe McCarthy's ability to devise an offense and make it uh, simple so that the reads for him uh, are easy and, and can get him, you know, one step further in his ability to guide this offense at all times if he can take that one step then he's where he needs to be the truth is he doesn't need to do a whole lot more this is a confusing confounding situation Dak Prescott wanted to sign a contract last year before the year started he'd have probably taken between 28 and 30 million dollars but in my view Steven specifically uh, and maybe Jerry wanted to see it one more time before they were going to commit whatever it was going to be 150 million dollars or you know, whatever it was going to be, they wanted to see it one more time. They wanted to sort of prove it season. And I think what, what happened to them is statistically it was a prove it season. He was a top five quarterback in the NFL. But if you look more closely, they went eight and eight. And there were some games where he was otherworldly. And there were some games where he just couldn't lift his team up and get down the field and convert some third downs and get a needed field goal or get a needed touchdown and win a damn game against some good teams. And and it's not all on him. And a lot of that may have been that the defense is just absolutely knew what was coming time after time after time because Jason Garrett's offense was just something that everyone understood on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe that's it. And the addition of C.D. Lamb is incredible. I think they'll be okay uh, without Travis in the middle. Uh, they have three or four candidates, and Joe Looney's proven that that he can do that. So we'll see about uh, the rookie from Wisconsin, and we'll see about the Connors, McGovern, and Williams. 
but the offensive line should be okay uh, and be able to protect Dak. And so I, I don't necessarily think he has to do anything, to be honest with you. He's the way that the NFL works and the way the quarterback position in the NFL works, he's in position to get paid $35 million a year. And I'm not quite sure why they haven't done it. But at this point, I'm now worried that it may not happen. So I don't, I don't think he has to do a whole lot. He's not going to have a terrible season, not with this many weapons. He's almost indestructible physically. Uh, and he's, I will tell you, he's one of the most likable, uh, intelligent, uh, terrific leaders that this team's had at that position in a long time. So if the Cowboys don't want him, somebody else does. Oh, for sure. Um, with this free agency just being as crazy as it is, Jamal Adams saying that he's trying to come to Dallas, Jadavion Clowney saying that he'd play for the Cowboys or the Saints on a one-year deal. What do our chances look like in signing or trading for a Jamal Adams or signing a Jadavion Clowney to a one-year deal, and which do you think would be more beneficial to the team? What you noticed, uh, I think I noticed when you watched the playoffs last year and obviously the two teams that that made the finals, um, that made the Super Bowl, playmakers, guys that make a difference. You know, the Cowboys uh, two years ago uh, added Honey Badger and they let him be him and run – or sorry, not the Cowboys, the Chiefs. Uh, and they let him be himself. And he – transformed a terrible secondary, a, a loose secondary that gave up plays into a decent unit to go along, obviously, with that great offense, and they won. San Francisco has playmakers all over the place. So either one of those guys, Jamal Adams or Jadavian Clowney, fits for me because the Cowboys don't get enough turnovers. They don't create enough you know, negative plays and turnovers and get the ball enough defensively to give it back to their offense in good in good positions. If you want to help that, give him the ball every now and then. Besides some place at the twenty one at his own twenty one yard line. So the answer to me is either one of those guys. I, I just don't think I'm paying the Jamal Adams price. I don't. I'm certainly not trading Michael Gallup. I'm just not. I'm not trading Michael Gallup because they have the ability to opt out of. Um, all of a sudden, I'm blanking on. Uh, they're top about the Amari. They have the ability to opt out of the Amari deal after two years. Uh, and I would think you, you think that's a pretty good possibility. So that means that CD lamb and Michael Gallup are the one, two for this team for the next five or six years. So I'm not trading Gallup and I'm sure as hell not trading Gallup for a safety from the jets and including a second or third round draft pick with him. I'm not, that's crazy. And while I think he's a good player, Adams, I, I don't think he's necessarily a guy that gets the ball a ton. His statistics say that, that that's not the case. Clowney is interesting to me because while he doesn't pack statistics on the sheet, he's had a, a good year or so somewhere in his career of sacks. He is a negative play guy. He is a get-up-the-field guy. He's disruptive. He's tall. He's long. He's fast. I'd sign Jadavian Clowney to a one-year uh, you know, prove-it deal in a heartbeat in a heartbeat if I was the Dallas Cowboys. I definitely think so with us losing uh, Robert Quinn last season. And yep. you were saying about our secondary, just not being able to get Dak the ball. I like how we look under Mike Nolan. I really think that we have the opportunity uh, to generate more turnovers and reach the double digit interceptions, hopefully above 10 this year. And maybe a little more. I like the Trayvon Diggs uh, pick. He's a great press corner. Yep. 
it just I think you're definitely right. Are we need a play, we need playmakers? Yeah, it, it, you you tell me where they're available. So these are the two that are available: pass rushers and disruptive pass rushers. And not to mention, Clowney's pretty damn good at playing the run. I mean, he's very hard for one person to stay in front of. If you're not zone blocking Clowney, he has a great chance to blow up any play. And boy, the only question that's ever been about Jadavian Clowney is a little bit of health and a little bit of want to, right? Does he want to play all however many plays he plays, all 45 or 50 plays? Does he want to? Well, if he's playing on a one-year hoping to get paid, he'll want to. I, I think I, I can't – I'm surprised they haven't done it, to be honest with you. I am too. And Everson Griffin is also a free agent. He's a great defensive player. So I really think that the Cowboys should push for a – playmaker sign on that defensive end because I think it would help us out a lot this season. Yep, completely agree. Um, and then also talking about trades, uh, David Njoku has demanded a trade out of Cleveland, and a writer from the Browns reported that the Cowboys have some interest in trading for him, and with our uh, us losing Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin kind of being our number one option, do you think we should take a gamble on Njoku, or what are your opinions on that? I, I guess it depends on the price. It, that would be one of those things where I'd say who's on the coaching staff or even higher up who knows about David Njoku. Does somebody know this kid? Have they known him forever? Because at this point, uh, he's put up decent touchdown numbers for the number of throws that have come his way. But overall, you'd have to say he's been a disappointment uh, based on, on what they thought he could be and based on the athleticism that I think we all see. So I'm not interested in a project that you have to coax uh, and, you know what I mean, have to cajole and hope that he can be what you want him to be. Uh, I'm really not. Uh, I think Blake Jarwin has a chance to be a big-time tight end in an offense with three wide receivers that are going to confound secondaries. I I think – and big-time being 45 to 50 catches and six, seven, eight touchdowns. I think he can do that easily this year. Uh, if the offense ends up being what I think it's going to be. And Dalton Schultz and some of the other guys that are there have been around long enough that that they can handle the blocking end of the tight end position. So, no, unless you tell me that somebody knows Njoku, somebody has known him since junior high, or or he comes with this recommendation or that recommendation, where someone has a great communication, line of communication with him, and they think they can get him right in, get him up to speed, then, then, to be honest with you, I'm not interested. Gotcha. And then uh, last question kind of regarding the Dak situation. Do you see him taking kind of a pay cut, whether it's $5 million, to help the Cowboys sign someone to maybe push them over to a Super Bowl contender? Or do you see Dak wanting to get his money in his bag for his performance? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't see him taking any kind of in what in his mind is a pay cut. Um you know, the position itself and, and the way the NFL has been has, has been run for the last 10 years or so, everybody got paid, right? Um, Stafford got paid and he'd never done anything, you know, and you can go right down the list with, with guys who got paid who had good ability but who had never won anything. Um, and to be honest with you, what what never happens in a contract situation is nobody ever wants to pay somebody what for what they did prior, Right. You don't get paid because his first four years were pretty damn good statistically and wins and loss wise. But the truth is, I think he wants to get paid for some of that. He wants credit for that. 
And, and I don't blame him. Listen, when they brought him in, they tried to draft three other quarterbacks, right? They tried to trade for three other quarterbacks. They thought Dak Prescott was a project that was going to have to sit behind Tony for two to three years. He'd never taken a snap under center. And all of a sudden, he is thrust into this lineup. And, and in a series of events that all worked out perfect for him and for the Cowboys, he was amazing. But the number one thing that he did was come in and take over a role as a leader in, in unbelievably short fashion. And he's been that guy since he got here. And so I don't anticipate him taking any pay cuts. I mean, listen, the Mahomes situation doesn't really change anything. But, but the collective bargaining agreement, you know, does. There's tons of money, tons of money. They can pay everybody. They can pay everybody. They could have paid Dak and, and kept, you know, their, their Pro Bowl cornerback if they wanted to. They can afford to pay everybody. So Stephen and Jerry always, you know, harken back to, don't forget, you're going to make lots of money in this market. And we are seeing Dak on television, on the radio, left and right. He is already making lots of money in this market, no doubt about it. But, you know, Stephen wants a discount because of that um, and for other multiple reasons. And I don't blame him. You know, it's his job. But somebody needs to make a decision. If this is your quarterback, which Jerry has essentially, you know, taken an oath to all fans that it is, then get the deal done. You waited because you wanted to see it. Well, statistically, he showed it to you. So make a damn decision. Uh, But I do think, to be honest with you, the Cowboys are waffling a little bit. And I also think Dak has the strength of his own character and his own, you know, feelings about himself as a player that he's, he'll leave. So it's, it's too bad that they're in this situation. It really is. And for all the fans out there who, you know, who are upset at how much money Dak supposedly wants and what he wants. And it's a, it's really easy for fans to say, well, screw him, right? Let him go. That's too much money. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about three wins or four wins for the next two or three years? Because no one's going to hand you a quarterback. And I really like Andy Dalton. I really do. I like him as a person, and I like him as a quarterback. But he's in whatever, his eighth year, his ninth year. Andy Dalton is what Andy Dalton is. He's a really good backup quarterback in this league, but he's not taking you to another level. So if Dak Prescott leaves and Andy Dalton's your quarterback, you're, you're looking at a lot, of, you know, a lot more seven- and eight-win seasons. So they need to make a decision, and I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't made that decision. But I don't think the Mahomes thing changes that. I, I think Dak's going to get $35 million a year, $36 million a year uh, for a six- or seven-year contract. I really do. Gotcha. And then kind of last question. So, of course, we want to look at the Cowboys season as as very hopeful. And But we've seen the Cowboys in the past and what they do. What do you think is our biggest kind of issue and that what we need to really focus and fix before going into this season? Well, based on last year, you know, the defense. And the scariest part for me is how is Leighton Vander Esch? Um, if you ask the Cowboys, he's great. He's fine. He's 100%. You know, we're talking about neck and back issues that are not new for him. And if you watched really closely and you looked at film last year, the difference between last year and the year before was almost singular. Leighton Vander Esch two years ago was everywhere, and he made everybody better, including Jalen Smith, including you know the other linebackers in the defense. And even the secondary, he made everybody better. So if Leighton Vander Esch is 100% and the neck issue, uh, and I know there was a vertigo issue issue mixed in there too, which may have had something to do with the neck. If Leighton Vander Esch is 
you may have already forgotten. People may have already forgotten how absolutely fantastic he was in 2018. He was fantastic. He is a freak of nature with his speed and those long arms. He can tackle anybody anywhere. He can get to wherever he needs to be. And he's one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL if he's 100% healthy. So that's really my big question is, if you think this defense is going to get better, it would be great. Yes, I think Clowney should be here. Yes, you need more pass rushing uh, ability and you need more negative play abilities. But Vander Esch is the key to everything. He's the key to everything this year for this entire team, to be honest with you. He really is. Because if the defense isn't any better than it was last year, then it's going to be a 8-9 or 10-win season. And, and if they're not able to get the ball and get negative plays and help this offense and help specifically this quarterback, then they're a first-round ouster. Uh-huh. And then um, also with us losing Byron Jones in our secondary or Frederick Zuda's retirement, are there any players in specific as like a Joe Looney or maybe a Trayvon Diggs that really needs to step up this season? to really make an impact for us to continue or to reach our full potential? Yeah, I, I, I think it's Van Der Esch. I really do. Now, uh, off, off the beaten path, the, let's say Blake Jarwin, uh, with the three receivers that this team's going to roll out there, he's going to be open. He needs to run really precise routes, uh, and he needs to catch the ball. And if he does, Blake Jarwin should have a Pro Bowl-type season based on all the people around him. But a singular player, it's back to Leighton Vander Esch. Jalen Smith will be better, even though he went to the Pro Bowl. He'll be better if Vander Esch is healthy. Sean Lee coming back is a big deal. Um, so, and you know, I mean, listen, Dorrance Armstrong, Christian Covington, whatever of these guys end up, you know, back making this team, those those guys are capable guys of helping this team out uh, in in the secondary. There's no doubt. Uh, listen, you asked me a question. I, I figured it out. To be honest with you, Xavier Woods. Z- Xavier Woods is a guy that, that, that the safety position on this team needs to be better, and pe- people undervalue Jeff Heath. So we talked last year in training camp about Xavier Woods. All of us convinced ourselves when we were in Oxnard, California, that Xavier Woods was going to be a pro bowler. We convinced ourselves of that. He's athletic. He wants to. He's a hard worker, and it didn't turn out that way at all. So if you want to get, want me to give you one person on this team that could really, really lift this team up, let's say Xavier Woods. I really think it's a great pick, and I think he should too. He could be a great playmaker and help Mike Nolan's defense out a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Continue? Yeah. Um, no, I'm good. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, those are pretty all the questions I have for you today, Brady. Thank you very much for your insight. Is there anything else that you wanted to add on to anything you said? No, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm, I'm, it's all COVID for me all the time. Us sports guys, broadcasters and people who are at games on the sidelines and, you know, trying to get to know players so that we can, you know, hit everybody else with it. Like you're trying to do, um, we, it's such a weird time, you know. There's, there's, we we can't go anywhere, you know. Uh, my good friend John Radigan at Fox Sports is is out covering the Rangers, but he never gets anywhere near them. He's basically out, you know, at the ballpark watching them from a distance and then asking them questions 
I, I take it, I haven't been out there yet, through, you know, Windows, right, or or via Skype or, you know, whatever else, whatever way they're using it. So it's a weird time, and, and we need sports back, but we need us back. And so I hope that, that everyone, and I know, you know, you're a, you're a young person, young people, you know, need to jump on board with doing everything that we can do to get past this COVID situation. Everybody needs to be safe because I think – it's going to be a really tough haul for us between now and Christmas. So uh, I'm praying, I'm praying that I'm wrong and that sports can survive this and that, uh, that we'll figure out how to work around this, but it's a very strange and different time. uh, And it's affecting, it's affecting all of us, but all of us need sports, but all of us first and foremost need help. So um, I'm doing, I'm doing my best to try and be the person that, that I want to be. And that is in taking care of, wearing my mask and wearing my gloves and doing the right things and trying to distance because otherwise this thing could drag for a long time and we don't need that. So anyway, I, I hope these seasons get played and I hope people uh, who test positive are able to get back in short order and, and that this thing, that the president is right, that 99.5% of this is, is, you know, essentially nothing. I hope he's right. I don't think he is, but I hope he's right. I hope he is too, and I really think we could all use some sports back in our life. Um, touching nope, on that no Texas, touch, touching on that uh, Texas Rangers point, Joey Gallo yeah. just tested uh, positive for COVID, and I think the uh, season's supposed to come back the 23rd, if I believe, of July. 23rd or 24th? Yeah, I haven't seen when the Rangers open. So the way they're handling that, uh, it's not necessarily a mandatory two-week thing. Um, he's quarantined for like two days. And then they're testing him um, temperature-wise, uh, symptom-wise, et cetera, et cetera, uh, multiple times a, a, a day. Uh, and if he, if he remains or if any player remains essentially symptom-free, uh, then he can be back before the two-week time period, as I understand it. So I guess right now every player around any of the sports that I hear testing positive, my first thought is, well, Better now than in three weeks, right? Better now than in a month and a half. Um, and, and so at this point, from what I understand, Joey's symptom-free. Uh, most of the guys uh, in Major League Baseball that have tested positive are symptom-free. I think Salvador Perez of the Royals and some of these other guys tested positive. So from what I understand, there is an intense plan in place to, if, if they are symptom-free and if they continue to pass tests you know, with their temperature and whatever else that they're doing for them, they can be back sooner than later. So uh, obviously Gal is a huge deal. This is the part, you know, that we talked about earlier that I'm so, that I'm so worried about is whatever sport it is when key players, you know, are off of your team, you know, winning and losing become sort of beyond your scope. If your best players don't play, you're not going to win. So, uh, you know, and, and it's a, it's a very scary thing. Um, but yeah, that's really my first thought when I heard Gallo tested positive was, well, it's the, whatever it was, the fourth and they, they, you know, play ball on the 24th. There's every chance that he can be in the lineup, uh, on opening day because it happened early enough to him. That was my first thought. Yeah. He gets a little diamond in the rough there that happened earlier rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's about it for me, Brady. Thank you very much for joining me today and sharing your insight. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. You're, you're welcome to call me anytime. Colby, I enjoyed talking to you and uh, keep in touch. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll tell you anytime what I know. I'm going to do my best to get around these guys. I am texting with 
um, different cowboys and stuff like that um, and trying to keep in touch as best I can. Uh, I'm excited about really all of our teams. I think the Mavericks are, are if they can make it through this playoff thing and they play, I think the Mavericks are going to be really fun to watch, even if it's for only one series. Uh, I think the Rangers pitching staff is much improved and they have a chance, especially in a short, uh, in a short season. I think pitching is going to be huge. Uh, so if their bullpen holds up, they're, they're exciting. And I just think the Cowboys are due for a bounce back. You know, it's typical. They're loaded with a lot of good players, but go get me to and Clowney and I'll be really fired up. <laughs> I think it could be a great year for Dallas sports. For sure. No doubt. No doubt. Well, um, thank you again, Brady. And uh, you have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody should check out a Cowboy Life, the podcast. We have players from, you know, way back in the 50s and the 60s who have told us stories, and we have today's players. Jordan Lewis told us a cool story. Chidobe Awuzie told us a cool, cool story. Christian Covington. We have a lot of current players that have told us stories as well. So they're not just interviews uh, like I do on the radio so often and like you and I did today. They are stories about these guys' lives that they told us, and then we get other people to chime in, maybe teammates, maybe old coaches, uh, parents, you know, whatever it may be, pastors. Uh, there's a story on there that we that we actually re-released uh, about Alfred Morris. If you remember the Alfred Morris story, he was here for a couple of years and, and was beloved by his yeah. teammates. Alfred Morris still drives a $2 car. He, he got sold a $2 Mazda by his preacher in high school, uh, and he still drives that car. So he That's told us the story of, of paying two bucks for that car, trying to pay 500 for it, and the preacher would only take $2, and he still drives that car to this day. So that's one of the stories that's up right now at A Cowboy Life, the podcast. So three W's dot cowboylife.com. That is crazy. I will definitely be linking all of Brady's stuff in the uh, description and definitely go check out his podcast shows and everything like that. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining me on this episode of Time Out 214. And uh, any closing remarks? No, that's it. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that everybody stays healthy and we head into the fall, into the into the Christmas holidays, uh, healthier uh, than we are now, and and all of us is uh, happy and we get sports back. But I sure appreciate you calling me and having me on the show, Colby. Of course, stay safe, Brady. Thank you again. You too. All right. Bye bye. Thank y'all very much for tuning in to this episode of Timeout Two One Four. Again, I will have all of Brady's information to his podcast, show, and socials in the description, and I hope to see y'all next time.